You're listening to More in the Morning on News Talk 1010 Toronto. 8.23 is the time. Reading a story in the Globe and Mail where the head of the Manulife Insurance Company signals, and it's, it's so clinical, but, you know, that's what... If you're an actuary, you've got numbers on everything, including people's life expectancy, the chance that uh, they're going to fall off a ladder, the chance that they're going to have a heart attack. Um, that's what actuaries do because that's how insurance sells. You've got to figure out what the risk is, what the premium should be, what the payout will be, how many people are going to pay a premium and never collect. An awful lot of people when it comes to life insurance, like they have a baby, so they start paying into life insurance because they think, what if I get run over by a car? And then they get to like 60 and it's like, well, I guess I'm going to make it after all. And so the insurance company gets to keep the money. Uh, then there's all of us motorists. I mean, how many times have you made a claim in your life? I made one. It was a stupid accident. Uh, but I've only had to make one insurance claim, and it's thousands and thousands that they're making every year off of that. So back to why I'm talking about the CEO at Manulife. He has signaled that mortality claims in North America for insurance have almost reached the same level they were before COVID. He said in early 2022, Canadian insurers saw a spike in mortality claims as the Omicron variant of COVID-19 surged through the United States and Canada. Now, as new cases of the virus continue to decline, Manulife has ended 2022 with more normalized mortality claims. Again, very clinical language about the fact that people are dying or did die. But one more takeaway in all of this is that if mortality claims are reverting to mean, then that means this ridiculous fever about people dropping dead from the vaccine simply isn't true, which I often argued in the past, now we have the numbers to show it, that the insurance industry would be the first people to say, whoa, something is terribly wrong here. Way more people are claiming their benefits. Preet Banerjee is here speaking of finance and math, and he is a personal finance commentator. Nice to have you, Preet. Nice to be here, John. Lots of uh, business and finance stories to talk about today, including a new study that says half of bankruptcies last year were actually filed by millennials. That's kind of disturbing. It is. And I will you know, point out that if we just look at working age Canadians in the 2021 census, so that's 18 to 64 year olds, it might be surprising to find it that millennials and Jed Z now account for just over 50% of working age Canadians. So just in terms of the distribution, that's not that eye-opening, but the trends identified in the study are still, you know, they still raise some eyebrows. And I think the main reason for this is if you consider that younger Canadians simply haven't had any time to build up a financial cushion, coupled with a large increase in student debt, skyrocketing house prices and therefore mortgages, a systematic shift of the liability for retirement savings from corporations to the individual. And now once we've tapped them out for how much they can then borrow, we increase the cost of those board funds. It's not really that big of a surprise. Curious about your thoughts on the housing figures that came out, which show um, a decline in the value or the sale price of houses nationally, the average, uh, from December to January, but perhaps more disturbing, uh, year to year nationally, I think they were down by about 12.2%. So prices continue to slide. Continuing to slide, and the chief economist at BMO Capital Markets put out a note that said, you know, in the last seven housing corrections in Canada, 
It took an average of three years for prices to hit bottom after the peak. And so by that yardstick, we're only a third of the way through the average length of a housing correction. Now, that's an average. It could be a shorter correction that it could also be a longer correction than the average. And I think you know, there's a couple of big factors. One is that, you know, people who might have been thinking about selling a home or seeing the price declines over the last year and are worried about not getting what they had in mind. So if a house like yours in, in your neighborhood was getting $1.5 million last year and now it's $200,000 less than that, some people see that as like giving up two years worth of salary. And so if you're not forced to sell, you're probably thinking twice about it. Okay. Uh, well, I'm reminded actually of, uh, I think it was the Beaverton, the comic newspaper, and they said housing prices will continue to slide until everybody can afford one. <laughs> well, that's how markets work in cycles. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Nestle is hiking prices on what? Oh, I guess on pretty much everything, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, because they make so much stuff. But it's kind of a tough pill to swallow for consumers when you hear that, even though their gross margins were down, they still made an equivalent of $13.5 billion Canadian, and they're going to increase prices. Now, they may increase prices outright, or we might see more and more shrinkflation, which is, you know, when the price on the label doesn't change, but instead of getting like 300 strands of spaghetti in a package, you get like 285. Um, and, it, you know, their, their sales actually still increased during the year by 8.4%. So what they're saying is that the input costs, mostly commodities, were higher during the year, their margins were therefore lower. But Given how commodities have cooled off, especially in the second half of the last year, we might see the case of them overshooting the other way, and you might see some record profits for them in the upcoming year as price rises coincide with a cooling off of those input costs. So will will we see price declines after that as, as a result? My guess is that those prices, those new higher prices, will be as sticky as my fingers after eating a Kit Kat bar. Yeah, because generally the prices only tend to go up in the food industry, you know, in one direction. And uh, for example, gasoline goes up and down quite significantly. But I think you're right. If they increase the price of Nescafe and Kit Kat, it's never going to go down again. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that is, you know, one of the trends. Thank you, sir. Good to have you. Thank you, John. Another brand, incidentally, at Nestle is Gerber. So baby food is kind of a... Uh, uh, tough market to meddle with, but it would seem that uh, they think they're going to be able to pull this off. Preet Banerjee is a personal finance commentator, frequent commentator here at News Talk 1010. You can find out more at his website, Money Gaps. It's 8.30, which means it's time for the half-hour headlines, and Jess Kieran Cooner is here. Good morning.